0: The Krinkler Show.
1: This show is brought to you by Bing Pot Trivia. How many times have you been to a trivia night where it just felt like somebody reading questions? Well, Bing Pot Trivia prides themselves on bringing high-energy, dynamic hosts to every event. The show leans heavily on visual elements. Their questions are designed to make you laugh or roll your eyes, while also challenging your knowledge on pop culture, high school science, culinary arts, and everything in between. Their typical show runs five rounds, including a photo round, general knowledge on pop culture, riffs on different game shows, absurd 50/50 questions, and a super sweet music round. Check out BingpotTrivia.com today to book your trivia night. Again, that is a BingpotTrivia.com. Tell my boy Danny that your friend Quinn sent you. All right, let's get on with the show. My next guest was part of one of my favorite bands growing up. I first caught wind of them while watching Family Channel, and quickly, they blew up. They are on Ra- Radio Disney's Next Big Thing. They performed with megastars like Emily Osment and Mariana's Trench. They did a lot in their few years together. Eventually, this guy decided to pursue a solo career and has been killing it ever since. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Quinn Mar Show, Nathan Darmody. Nathan, what is going on?
0: What's up, Quinn? Hey, man. I'm so stoked to be here. I'm glad you reached out to me um through the comments yeah and- yeah
1: I well dude I appreciate you coming on here this is really cool like I've said this before like it's really a cool thing to have uh all you guys on the show like everyone I've had because it's like I watched you on tv or I listen to music blah, blah blah but now like I feel like I'm on the tv with you you know what I mean like now mm. when I see the music video it's like hey like feel like I'm part of it you know what I mean so <laughs> that's I, great I, I appreciate it. So we're going to get into a bunch of stuff here. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. we'll get into All-Star Weekend, what you're doing now, because it is pretty cool. So that's 100% we'll get into that. But I did want to just take it back first. So you grew up in Cali, right?
0: Yeah, I, I grew up mainly in, in in San Diego for for most of my life. But I've lived, you know, when I was like three or four, I was in New York. I lived upstate New York. Oh, nice. And so I moved across, we, we drove across the country like 3000 miles or something like that with my family. And then we moved here to San Diego and I was like living with my great grandmother at the time. And before we kind of settled here in, in Poway, which that's where I reside right now. So I'm actually kind of back where I grew up and, um, you know, I'm married. So I'm living with my wife here in Poway and it just feels there's there's um, there's a magic, there's a magic in Poway. There's something about Poway. I mean, I feel like a lot of great artists have come from this area it's a great place to you know get raised and like live out your dreams and i feel like it contributed a lot to me being able to explore my creative path you know
1: that's pretty cool though that's cool that you like were able to leave do all the stuff you did and then come back and i feel like you probably look at it like you look at the place different now right
0: i look at it yeah. So, so, so somewhat just like I have a new lens on life, you know, I'm a little bit more mature. Um, I I'm just, if anything, it's just being more appreciative of where I grew up and having the freedom and flexibility to, you know, stretch my creative arms out and be the the best version, the best creative version of myself that I, that I can. Right. And there's something beautiful about this place. So yeah, San Diego is amazing. It's, you know, I've had, I've lived in LA, but nothing really compares to San Diego. And there's a lot of things you could do now virtually to reach out to people that live in these big cities like LA, Nashville, Florida. So you don't always have to show face necessarily. But if I have to tap in and go to LA, it's only a two hour drive. So it's nice to be here and it's less of a smog situation. It's getting crowded. It's getting more (laughs) crowded every year, but... It's like I live like where I live. It's like in the middle of like the woods, basically. All these houses are surrounded by these tall eucalyptuses and orchards. And so you kind of have this feeling of kind of being off the grid. So it's nice.
1: That's perfect, though, because like you're not too far away, like too out of it, like literally in the middle of the woods. But at the same time, you're not stuck in the middle of like the busy, busy, like craziness of like L.A., right?
0: Sure. Sure. I, I love tapping in and going there. Like I was just at the NAM show. That was in Anaheim, not not really LA. But um, I was at yeah I was at the uh, the NAM show, which is like a big music trade show. It's it's like four, five days, and you just play with all this new audio equipment. You network. You basically go to these seminars, and you just learn about all the new things that they're presenting forward. Um, music platforms, audio gear social media networks, all this stuff. And then you used to learn and network. It's great. It's you a definitely look like, a,
1: like a, a gearhead or like an equipment guy to me, especially because I had read about um, you guys editing all your music and stuff. Like when you were with the guys in All Star Weekend in your bedroom originally, right?
0: Yes. And the funny thing about that is I was not tech savvy at all when I first started. No. I was not tech savvy at all. I had the attention span of an ant, I don't know what an ant's attention span is, <laughs> but it can't be that long. And so it was really complimentative to have someone like my my buddy Tom Norris, who I actually talked to him the most out of everybody. Um, he was the one that left the band early on, which was probably the best decision you can make. Because now he's winning, Grammy, he's winning Grammys, and he's working with the best. And you know, he's living in L.A. and he's able he's able to sustain a career based off of just mixing he's he's an incredible resource he's always been an incredible resource but yes he was really the one that helped us have the sound that we did It, it, it wouldn't have been able to have this polished sound that it did we wouldn't have these demos that sounded as great as they did like they sound like finished product and so he was really essential to the production and the mixing element And also, and then we had Zach, of course, who was just a genius with lyrics. He, I remember going to his house. He'd had this huge drawer. You pull out his drawer and there were just poems and poems and poems. Just gems. Like you pull something out and just write a song. So he brought that to the table. And with me, you just had like this creative fuel, this gasoline that never really seemed to tire. Like I was really good at bringing people together. Also a songwriter, right? I was a Mm -hmm. songwriter. I was more the guy that pitched the general idea. Sometimes I would finish songs, but I was the guy that would pitch like the general idea and we'd kind of work around it and fill in the gaps. And that's what I always wanted. And it's really funny with that band. like I, We all kind of put it together, but when it came to actually being serious, I was like, Zach, I want you to be the singer. You're going to be the singer. Tom, you're going to be doing this. I didn't want the spotlight. I never wanted, I didn't care so much. Maybe because it was just from some sort of like being shy or whatever, um regardless of that, it would you know, it became what it became just just naturally, everything kind of fit into a to a a, a whole perfectly. you know what I mean? everything yeah. kind of fit into its place really 100%. well. so
1: um before we get into that because, yeah, I did read that <laughs> that you had talked about how you kind of moved everyone around a little bit, but I want to go like a young nathan what was what was Mm. a young nathan like what was he into was music always number one was it sports comics i want to take back to like just little nathan in poway or in san diego i guess
0: san diego yeah so i did yeah i was i've been i've been in san diego since 96 so this is like my play or yeah something like that a little bit yeah like 96 so this is my san diego's no place i'm a surfer kid i'm all about yoga i'm all about meditation but that's now before that I I thought my family thought I was going to be a dancer. Strange strangely enough, I I would literally put on all of the pop classics like Spice Girls, like Destiny's Child, like like Backstreet Boys, like Michael Jackson. I would put on a full album and I would turn up my stereo to like 11 and just like dance for hours. Like that was my first that was really my first introduction into the creative arts just me naturally loving to dance. And I did that for a long time. I didn't like go and compete or whatever, but it was just kind of like this running joke my family has is like, oh yeah, we, all, we always thought you're going to be a dancer. Hmm. You know, I didn't really, or whatever, you know, I just loved to move. I would, hmm. uh, in my diapers, I would be on like my parents' coffee tables dancing to the Little Mermaid soundtrack. Literally just rocking that, rocking that thing and just going crazy. I have like footage of that as a kid. So I always loved to move. I always loved to move. I was also an escape artist. I would always my parents would find me across the street at a neighbor's house in my diaper, like crossing busy intersections. <laughs> so I, I I had to get out, you know. I'm I, I was a, an adventurer. Yeah. Uh, and and I feel like that curiosity and and adventuring out from climbing trees and in, uh go, you know, escaping out the front door to my neighbor's house to dancing it kind of lent itself and kind of in a really weird way paved a way for me to use that in a more constructive way, I guess, as I got older. So like looking at those seeds planted early on, it's kind of cool. How does somebody
1: pattern. figure out they can sing coming from someone who can't sing a single note? How, how, like, where does that okay. come from? You can't sing a single note. Well, I mean, I could, I could sing sure terribly, but I could sing. <laughs> uh,
0: that's, that's the, the age old question Quinn that's the age old question, and it's so funny that you brought that up because my my wife, she brought that up like a couple of weeks ago. Like, how do you – where does singing come from? It, It's this kind of innate – some people work at it, right? Some people work at it, and for some people, it's, it's just second nature. And for me, it's always been second nature. And I think it's always – for me, it's been my ability of just being empathic, being able to be around things hear a, hear a song see somebody move a certain way see someone speak a certain way and really take it all in as if i'm inhaling you know or drinking or whatever just literally taking something in like a drug and like letting it be in becoming it like just and i think being able to mimic and it's like an actor right it's i think music is acting in a way because you kind of are putting on this persona so you can kind of liken it to music and be able to sing as like an actor you're just able to hear it and replicate it and, and, and i think it it's way more deep than that but i think it also has to do with blocking out blocking out this 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 voice that you can't and you know, and just doing it and being free and allowing yourself to do it. Some people are are definitely uh, tone deaf for sure. <laughs> I've yeah. definitely met, I've definitely Indeed. met people that are tone deaf, and um, it it's tough, it's tough. So yeah, I think at an early age, if you can get on a a, a piano, um, that's a great place to start because you don't have to be born with it, right? You don't have to be born with it. Like you can just have it around you, and I think I always just had music around me and it was just something that called me and I just naturally gravitated towards it. You know, you don't, when you know, you can sing. I think people will tell you if you can or can't mm-hmm. ideally. And that could also be uh, determined based off of how much success you have, how, how people are responding to what it is that you're doing. And it's also good to know your skill level. It's also good to know, you know, do I need to keep working at this? I still need to keep working at singing. And so I hired a vocal coach. I've done like 40 lessons and you just, they're just an hour of just getting ripped apart about, it's like therapy sessions basically. <laughs> and you're trying to get through this blockage to be able to open the chakras up and let let the voice come out, let your inner voice come out. Here's the thing. What determines you as a good singer or, or not a good singer is so it's so debatable because you have people like Bob Dylan who can't sing a, a note for, for shit.
1: True. Bob True. Dylan
0: can't like, and you have folk singers and then the folk world, you don't have to have this extravagant. I'm on the voice type of vocal cord. You know, you don't have to be that type of singer. So that's the the, the thing about what constitutes you being a singer or not. It's kind of, uh, um, is it was subjective or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that word is. Yep. So yeah, it's it, it just really depends on um what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to get, you know, out of a, a music career.
1: So that not only were you dancing <laughs> at a young career, and then obviously you were singing as well, but then you also played guitar. So when did the guitar come into the picture, like being a guitarist? Was that before singing or after?
0: That was way after. And that was just a, a godsend sort of situation. My I never knew my dad so this is kind of how my dad came in the picture. My dad, he he was playing in bands as a kid, and I never really knew it. So he grew up in Chicago, and he just not only was he a, an awesome engineer, computer engineer, software engineer. You know, he, he was an inventor of softwares, and he's just like a you know a brain. And he also was a, a kickass musician, and I didn't know that. And so one day I was just like, as like young boys do, you just go into your sister's rooms or your parents' rooms and like open up drawers and stuff and just get into trouble. Mm-hmm. I pull out a guitar case I've never seen before in my life. I'm like, I'm 10. How have I never been introduced to this thing? What is this thing? And I pull it out and I I talk to my dad about it. And I'm like, he, what's the story? What's the story behind this, this Stratocaster that's been collecting dust underneath your bed? And boom, he was like, I was waiting for the right time to tell you. And I guess, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you all about, you know, this this whole craft and this whole side of me that I was waiting to he was gonna wait till a little bit when I was like a little bit older, till I was in I was in high school, but it found me. And I wanted to be a drummer initially. I, I wanted to play drums, but like as most parents, they don't want to hear you
1: fair. Yeah, you know, and you that know, all day, every day that's fair, you know. Yeah. So
0: they don't want to hear that, and I wanted to be a drummer so bad, like that. That's what I wanted to do. Like that's what I felt like I was destined to do. But I'm glad that a guitar found me. So yeah. And then my dad was my teacher for the most part. Huh. So like, and he actually plays a pivotal role in spurring my musical interest. He had vinyl collections. He had CD collections. Just cabinets full and okay like what's the lesson this week okay here's Bob Marley here's the Rolling Stones here's ACDC here's Led Zeppelin and you know when albums were like amazing right here's you know Nirvana's Nevermind here's the Foo Fighters here's Hootie and the Blowfish Counting Crows here's Fleetwood Mac all these bands you know so I grew up listening to the greats you know it was more he was like my teacher still is
1: that's amazing. That And and that's like, like you said, uh, uh, he played such a pivotal role, but like the fact yeah. that you had that literally in your house as like a mentor, that's, that's amazing. Like that, that probably helped you get so much farther along than so many other people. Right.
0: I, I think so. And I, I think more so his discipline and his work ethic um, just in general helped me be just learn how to persevere and be persistent. I would wake up at like five in the morning when MySpace was a thing and we were outer space politicians in our band and I would be following hundreds of friends and DMing people and messaging people every day for like a whole year, just trying to get our band bigger. And on top of that, I wouldn't go out and party on weekends, even though I was considered a popular kid. I was a social surfer. I played, I was an awesome athlete. Mm-hmm. Kick ass athlete could could go toe to toe with anybody. I'm telling you, and <laughs> but I was more, I guess, more sensitive, and I was more called to the arts to put my energy towards that sort of thing. And I knew, you know, the longevity of an uh, an athletic career could be cut short. It's, it's like so quick, you know, with injuries and all that, and. And I knew I was I was the kind of guy that was prone to being injured all the time, even though I was a rough kid growing up, wrestling with all my neighbors and beating each other up and all that, like you know, because I grew up with a bunch of kids just growing up around me, and we Mm -hmm. would just like you know, rough house and all that. So in sports, and like I was great at football, like lacrosse was my thing. But yeah, I was called to music, and I think because I just naturally picked it up so fast, my parents were like, What the hell is this guy doing on this piano? He's just conducting these songs with no theory or anything. And back then there's like no tutorials, right? There's you, there's not this quick, easy access to like learn something. You just are. Right. And for me, it's just, I just am, I just am a creative person. I in, in conversation and within in my friendships and producing and mixing and, and mentoring. And yeah, I just, I love it. I love creating something from nothing. I think that spark inside of me lends itself to being able to pick things up so natural
1: right right no i something about like just creating in general like for me with the podcast like it just so it's it's just fun like the it being in the middle of the creation like you said like bringing it from nothing and then the final product you just like feel like such like a sense of like maybe com- completion's not the right word but like you know what i mean like you just feel nice it's like wow look at what i just brought yes together from nothing
0: in the podcast yeah and the podcast game is it's tough. There's a lot of elements that go into it. You know, you got to reach out, contact somebody and you know, you're crashing your fingers that you get a response and then you put the show together, you know, you edit it in your own magical way and then you put it on a platform and then you can add music to it. There's intros and this is another creative process. And you know, we can talk about, I have a podcast as well. We can talk about that. So I understand it. So I understand, you know, I know you've probably been you got to jump through a couple of hoops to make it work, you know? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't no. just happen. It, and like before this, we're trying to troubleshoot stuff. And um, I'm like, I swear I'm a musician. I swear I get this. <laughs> and I'm like working on audio stuff.
1: Yeah. So oh, no, sure.
0: I respect the, I respect the hustle. I respect the hustle um, tremendously that yeah. you're, you're, you're out here just sharing your story. I appreciate that. Why?
1: Well, and I also appreciate you being here because I can't, wouldn't be able to do this without the, the, the <laughs> guests I get. Right. So well, I was
0: going to say that kind of, <laughs> that makes it, a challenge for you right out of the gate
1: yeah because i every single episode is with a guest it's i don't do solo episodes the whole point of well and also is... you're
0: reaching to people that have like been established mm-hmm, exactly yeah <laughs> so, so like
1: i there's a there's about 90 yeah. percent time i don't ever hear back so that's
0: tough. Well, I'll have to put you on and, and give you a shout out and yeah, all that for sure. What I you do, that. I do the, put the marketing that. materials together. Yeah, you know? well, thank you.
1: Um, <laughs> I want to go into when you started writing music, and you mentioned your friend Tom. So mm. was so you guys went to school together. Did yeah. you kind of just like come together and be like, oh, you realize he liked music, you're into music, and then boom, you guys start writing the songs together? Like, where did that creation come from?
0: I mean, in a box, that's really what it was. It was yeah. a conversation. He was a kid in my class we were just complete opposite. You know, I was, we were just different people, but I, I never saw it like that. I just saw someone who's really smart, really driven and talented. Um, We had completely different friend groups and all that. Like we were complete strangers, but I was that kind of guy that would just talk to the kid in class, you know, that maybe a lot of people didn't really talk to you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, but like in, in his own world, he was like this. He was like a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: we, I th- when it started with us, it actually our first collaboration was a metal song. Oh, he and it was my first introduction into an engineering an engineering mindset. Um, he was he could just he picked up DJing really early on as a kid. He was R U Envious? That was his DJ name for a while. you Envious? He was, oh my, he could do everything, I think, from mixing to producing, just making things sound good. He's also really good at web development, graphic design, super smart too. I think he studied linguistics up at, um, what's that school in, in Florida? Uh, sorry, <laughs> in San Francisco, uh, the school in San Francisco. Anyways, but he, yeah, so I learned really early on, like, well, this guy's, well, this guy knows what knows what he's doing. He can maybe help make my creative ideas actually sound good. So our first collaboration was like, "Hey, can you?" He knew I could play guitar. He couldn't. He didn't really play guitar. He didn't really play any instruments then. He probably does now. And so I come up with a riff. I would send it to him, and he'd just make it sound great. And I'm like, "Okay, I got to have this guy on my team." Yeah. And and it was literally like a year and a half later, everything happened for us because from that moment on, I learned okay. I was in bands as a kid already. I was, you know, a bunch of garage bands. And so I said, okay, I'm going to take this serious. Like, this is what I want to do. And so I got to have this guy on my team. And so that's, he was in my geoscience class. We talked, Hey, I play guitar. He knew I play guitar. Hey, I knew you. I know you engineer. I've heard a lot of good things about you. Boom. We started collabing and sending files, you know, via the internet and all that and MySpace and email and it led to me going like, hey, I'm, I'm in this other band. Um, and I know this singer guy, you know, he's Zach, you know, he's great lyricist. Let's, let's bring him in and have him sing. I'll play guitar. Maybe I'll do some background vocals and see what happens from it. And it was just like instant magic with those three, with those two. Right. And it's always better with people. It's always better to collaborate with people. And just there was this magic, this force field that we had. It's like, you couldn't, you couldn't, no one could mess with us. It felt like we were, it felt like we were like invincible in a way. Right. And we could just walk the walk and talk the talk. And we like kind of took it serious, but didn't really, it just came so easy to us because we all complimented each other. So if I had a writer's block, you know, I had Zach there to, with lyrics, I had Zach there to do the lyrics. And it just came so effortless with, with him, which I still don't understand to this day, how it came so easy to him. And same with Tom, and different you know, with me as a songwriter and, and producer and guitarist and all that too. It just in creating hooky earworms. That's always been my thing. Is just creating the earworm that that just gets, gets stuck in your head.
1: Right.
0: And I think I I actually one of the things I did growing up as a kid is I would fall asleep with the radio on. So when I was like maybe six years old all the way through like freshman year of high school, I would fall asleep with like the mainstream, mainstream radio. So everything that you heard in the nineties, early two thousands. And I think partly it was because it blocked out of the noise of just kind of my parents would fight a lot. You know, they were, they divorced once when I was a uh, eight and then they got back together and they stayed together for the kids, like blink One Eight Two would say. And they yeah. they really just hated each other. But we didn't really know the the we we could feel the anger and them not really loving each other. Mm -hmm. And I think having the radio on was one of those. uh, It's like a therapy session. I can kind of block out the noise and just. At the same time, I was also fantasizing about being a rock star. About you know, oh, it'd be so cool to be on stage and people love you. And so I, you know, when you fall asleep, the you know top forty radio, that stuff when you're falling asleep, it's just like in your brain constantly. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of those hidden secrets, you know, that kind of lent itself to me being able to write things that are marketable. Right. That, you know, I've done TV placements, right. You know, Miley Cyrus's last song, you got the prom soundtrack. Uh, There's like another Disney soundtrack. I don't know. There's a few others. And so like, those are the songs that ultimately, you know, did the best. So yeah, just a bunch of little things, you know, coming together. And as a kid, I, I, I was, I, I realized I was more of an introvert than an extrovert, really, too. Which is really funny because when you see me when I, when there's a camera on me, I can I put on I can like put on this persona, this like over exaggerated version of myself. Just I don't know, I I just loved having the camera on me. I and another actually, it's so funny now that I think about it. Before even music, I thought. I always had a camera with me too. growing up as a kid and I was always filming everything. So jackass stunts, you know, my pool parties, I always threw the biggest pool parties in in middle school, like hundreds of kids came over. That's amazing. And I, I was, I had my camera with me. I have my, my parents' camera. I had the high eight tapes and all that. And so a lot of it was, I just, I, you know, and I inspired some of my friends to get into um, videography from that. So I don't know. I thought, I thought maybe that was going to be something I was going to do too, but yeah, music was just so much cooler.
1: But it's also great to have that in your back pocket too, just in case never know. Right. I mean, when you're going to use that. Cause like you always can for almost everything. Right. Especially nowadays, social media and the way like content creation is like, that's something right. that would be like so ideal to people. Yeah. Attractive.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, I put out this pop punk song, um, under my pop punk band name that I started called FDCT. I'm not really releasing anything on there anymore. So it's more like it's in, it's in the archives now. You can go there and check out my Instagram page and look at some of the pop punk songs I released on there. But I shot a music video for this song called Something Good. I didn't shoot it, sorry. I, the team shot it, but I, I, I edited the whole thing, color yeah. grading, all that. So I've always loved video editing. And if you go back to the early All-Star Weekend just like random fan videos. A lot of those were just made by me. You know, I I made a lot of a lot. I just love doing it. It was just another creative outlet that I had that I enjoy doing it. So I'm really like, yeah, like a Jack of all trades, you know,
1: That's awesome. Um, And it's funny because you were talking about MySpace earlier and how like you're sending out like so many messages to so many people, your song just trying to get out there. And this is when you guys were outer space politicians. So one, I want to hear the story about that name because that's hilarious. The best band. That's the best
0: band that ever existed. Better than anything we ever did. That sucks.
1: Like I think I I saw an interview with Zach and he talked about basically you guys got like talked out of that name of the song to change it. So I want to go into that name and then two. Um, just the the way you're able to gain traction on MySpace because mm-hmm. a lot of people like I had MySpace, but that's because I had an older sister. So like, if sure. I, if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have had it. So not a lot of people really my age know about it, and know what it was like. So I do want to get into that. But yeah, outer space politicians. How's the politicians. rundown down in the name,
0: dude? Zach came up with the name, right? Zach came up with the name. We were just sitting in my bedroom, and we were. I remember when we had to change the name. That that's another story. But yeah, we I. I, it was really derived from the sounds that we were making. The it was like more of a son, the sonic landscape that we're trying to create. It was spacey, out of this world. What is out? What's what's out of this world? Out, outer space. And I don't know why politicians <laughs> was. I don't even know how politicians came into the picture. To be honest with you, but outer space, yeah, outer space politicians. I mean, Zach came up with the name. I don't. That was kind of it it just was it it just happened it, you know i think we were looking through you know dictionaries trying to put different words together you know and, and that's just kind of how it came it was and, and i remember when we did battle of the bands with my friends that were like into hip hop we like fused and we called ourselves outer space politicians <laughs> for like a talent show because i thought that was really funny yeah it's funny i love that it just came it was organic there's some thought process in the making it had a little bit to do with the, the sounds that we're um coming up with uh mm-hmm. you know like tv on the radio submarine warfare writer's block there's a bunch of other demos that people haven't heard that i'm i think hollywood records probably owns the masters to those if i put it out they probably assassinate me or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you hear about it pretty quick probably (laughs) so annoying um labels oh gosh people do have good relationships with the with their labels we had a pretty good one but i think ultimately our managers really kind of you know bit bit the hand that was feeding us in a way and some emails got leaked and all that but by the way we you know not bashing on our man, my managers completely but you know they, they they do have a long history of not so good of relationships with a lot of really big indie bands you know and um that's too bad but yeah i think that was kind of partly they They were also really they're just geniuses at the same time they're also really good at like creative ideas like you know um one of them was like a like a video director i think he directed our first he a uh, different side of me and all that mm-hmm. but yeah. And then they wanted us to change the name. And so we were obsessed with Smash Mouth. We were obsessed with the 90s anthems, man, you know? And mm-hmm. so we we transitioned from out of politicians to All Star. We were just All Star. And then Zach always tells this story, but it was more so we All Star was like synonymous with so many other things in sports related activities or whatever. So we just added Weekend to make it seem a little bit more. Of like an artist mm-hmm. and it's kind of like yeah everybody loves the weekend right that was kind of like our how we pitched it everybody loves the weekend you know it's so all-star weekend and
1: i like that it, though no i mean it, it, yeah. it's simple and it's a simple explanation because yeah like you, you can't really argue it
0: yeah yeah you can't so it and it just became that and it, and it worked and so it, it was definitely the right move i honestly i listened back to the stuff we did with outer space politicians and we we had something we we should have just kept ultimately it's like it could have should have would have but i wish it would have just stayed us three like no offense to michael and cameron but they probably would have came into the picture or maybe cameron would have floated in and out or whatever. But yeah, we we should have just said we shouldn't have just take we shouldn't have done the management thing we should we should have just kept working on that and as independent artists and we, we still probably would have been successful.
1: Yeah, I, I mean hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the same time, it's like. Sure back then you guys were probably so desperate just for like the, the attention or like, or you were like, Oh, we gotta get, like, like, that was like the old school way to do it. You get a manager, they get you a, yep. like, like, right. So at the time it's like, mm-hmm. you kind of had to do that. Cause like nowadays is different with like social media and everything. But back then it's like, sure. that was the, the road you had to go down. Right.
0: Yeah. We, we literally, it's so amazing. To, and I talk about now I'm more, I, I I lean into my intuitiveness. I'm a very intuitive person. I lean, I lean more into being empathic and more like psychic in a way. But I talk about visualizing yourself. All three of us visualize ourselves doing it. We could see ourselves on the label. We can see ourselves, you know, playing to the masses. We can see ourselves selling CDs and records. See ourselves having a fan base. We... Every day when you're just in the act of doing it every day and you have a team of like-minded people and you're all on this journey and this road and every day you're manifesting this, this version of you and this, this goal, we did that so well as a band that we literally said this is the record label we want to be on and we we were on the record label. Like I don't know how many people can do that when you can just say, like, we literally had a goal. Like, we were smart about it. Like, we weren't stupid. We knew what we were doing. We knew we had a thing. We knew we had a thing. But at the same time, you know, some of the guys were getting ready to go to college and some, you know, you had the parents kind of weighing in on the conversation now. But it was really Tom that had reached out. He had DM'd and was talking to a scout at, like, Drive Through Records. And that scout ultimately... Got us our management, which led us to going into Radio Disney's NBT, which led us to showcasing for like a dozen labels, which led us to getting that gig um, with Hollywood Records. But it's so funny—we were manifesting, and I—it wasn't a thing; it wasn't talked about back in the day about manifesting being intuitive and all that. But we were—we could visualize ourselves doing it, and we did it. And, and I'm telling you, people can do the same thing, and that's literally. A segue to me t- uh, talking about what I teach in my artist development mentorship program called I'm with love. And it's all about being empowered, m- empowered by love. And what I do is I do one-on-one sessions like this. You know, if I can't do it in person, we, we go over zoom. We talk about the songwriting process. We talk about putting in a band together. We talk about how to pitch yourself to playlists, curators, to managers, all that stuff to my masterclass, which I taken a student, one to four students and for six months, we build your music per- portfolio from the ground up. So we put together EP. And then, yeah, I, I learned how to deal with imposter syndrome. I, I I teach you how to deal with a writer's block, how to put a band together with style, how to look for all the red flags, and how to open doors that weren't there. And I'm literally, I've had 100% success already just with, my, <laughs> with this artist. And he's got a band. He's got an amazing EP. He's got this huge PR company that he's working for he's got an engineering team and ultimately you you have my network of you know m- my rolodex of of people that you have indefinitely and that's and so when i left the band fast forward i had wish i had some sort of music mentor that was going to be there to hold me and help me you know pick up the pieces but that didn't that doesn't exist and i think that's what people need to understand is that like you get to this point where some people you gotta kind of fend for yourself, right? And people aren't really there's a lot of people that are not willing to go out of their way to like help lift you up and get you back on track or learn the ins and outs of the industry. Like there wasn't like there wasn't any mentors. There was nobody there to like help me when I left the band. And I it was partly I didn't really wanna, I didn't care about the fame. I didn't didn't want any of that. I mean, ultimately that's why like I left and other things too that, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, so that's kind of what my program teaches though, you know, and, and it's something I'm really passionate about because I wish I had mentorship and now I give young artists now in a, even a harder world to break out in harder than ever. Cause now it's like there's social media and it's like, you can market yourself and you can get an audience really quick, but there's a lot of people that shouldn't, that don't have talent that probably shouldn't be doing it, mm-hmm. but they're saturating yeah. the market and for whatever, for 15 minutes of fame. And so now you got to weave through that. But then sometimes those people, you know, maybe they're, they have they come from a good financial background and they're able to weave their way in and fake it till they make it. And there's a lot of that too. But I teach you how to become an artist an engineer. I teach you how to become your own mentor. I teach you how to be more empowered and a leader. And so, you know, and I love the music thing. When you, when you look back at me and everybody else that was in the band, like think about who's still doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the like I have the passion for it and the drive, and I've know ten thousand ways of not to do a certain thing, you know. So I've troubleshooted like my whole life and persevered through a lot just to still do this thing. And it's you know it it you got to be strong. You
1: know, yeah, no, I'll be strong. Um, and one thing that um, you guys did when you were trying to get big that like you just people don't do it now because of social media is you you guys would hmm. busk a lot. I read, Busking. and like you guys would go in front of like concerts and stuff. Like, I know, I think Jonas Brothers concert you guys went out before, so mm-hmm. like th- that just shows the difference of the industry back then compared to now. Yeah, and, I mean, if you really think about it, it really wasn't that long ago, but so no. much has changed in that like little span of time, which is nuts.
0: I know it's it's like that. It was like a couple of years. It was like right between 2011, 2014, you saw like the industry changing a lot. You know, people weren't really selling CDs as much so mo- anymore like Taylor Swift is, of, of course, like Eminem, Rihanna. Those types of artists were really selling CDs. But yeah, t- aside from that changing, also record labels were merging with other bigger record labels. You know, they're cleaning house. And the record labels, and then the a r role looked a little different. Like a lot of people kind of just, it was kind of like uh, not really worth having A&Rs anymore too. So that really wasn't a thing. And, and now record labels take way less risks on artists, even if they have 300,000 views and like on streams and like huge audiences, record labels still won't take chances on developing people so much anymore. Hmm. Not, not as much.
1: And that's where you come into play.
0: That's where I come into play. A lot of people don't want to work from the ground up. And trust me, it's not for the lighthearted, for sure. It, you got to have tough skin and a lot of patience working with young talent. But that's but that's the whole thing, creating something from nothing. And, and this is another creative avenue that I want to explore. So, And, and I've already been seeing success with My artists and they're out there kicking it, killing it. They're like, yo, I'm setting up a writing session with so and so. Um, yo, the PR company I'm working for is like putting me on. I got a band together, you know. It's like it's so cool and way more rewarding, kind of being behind the scenes and and watching it all happen. Mm I, yes, you can go go out there and deal with everything that you have to deal with with being an artist, but you're going to be equipped now. You're gonna know how to, you're literally gonna shed years off of your, your career path of getting from point A to point B. And that's the way I like to look at it. Cause it could take a decade to break. Like Dua Lipa took like at least a decade to break. Jay-Z didn't break till he's like 27. Jelly Roll didn't break till he was 40. These hear artists <laughs> and think about that. You're like, what? These people are mad talented. But I teach you how to be personable too, how yeah. to pitch yourself. So I mean, a lot of a lot of this serendipitous um, energy. A, a lot of these partnerships and opportunities come from this kind of serendipitous uh, uh, meeting of minds. And I, I pitch you to get into right to put you put yourself right into that position to you know meet these people at the right time, right moment, and you know elevator pitch and all that. But like all all these little things, man, you know, right, get you no, in the right place, yeah. right right time. Um, I could we'll- talk. I love my artists. I I love their successes. Oh, then well, success, and, and that and that's you know
1: it, it, it wouldn't be authentic if you didn't, obviously, right? Exactly. And and it's
0: like I and I'm always telling them I'm like I don't care about so much about the money thing. I I want to if if we gotta take a little bit longer on the record than whatever we date we set, then we gotta take a little bit longer just to make it great. You know, right. if you have to bring somebody else in to, you know another engineer to make it sound even better, then that's what we do. Just patience, patience. Right. And I mean, that's it's nice because uh, the one thing
1: you know. that you don't, um, you don't have to deal with is with them is handing out flyers. Cause I know that's something you guys <laughs> did, which is again, that's so insane that that was like 14, 14 years, yeah, 14 years ago, like, like, 14. And like And like, then you're handing out flyers. So it's like, it's nice that with you now, with what you're doing with your artists that like you have so much more resources that can help exactly. them and then ultimately help you. Right. So w- what I want to know is cause I read that you guys had multiple offers from different labels. So sure. how, how did you guys land on Disney? I guess just, was it because of the machine that was behind Disney?
0: The Disney machine is nothing can, nothing can mess with it. It's the, it was the, it's the biggest machine still is. And a boy band. So look, you got boy band of guys that all play their own instruments and they all song, right? Then you had this rambunctious when we were all together, we were just this it's just like this energy, like you feel it. We'd all riff off of each other. It felt like we were just like funny Disney kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you could see from probably a labels standpoint. Oh my gosh, like of developing a show around these guys, the personalities and also they're looking at demographics too. Of you know the money-making machine. There's a lot of little things that come into play, of course, because you're running a business. But we no, we we pretty much showcased for everybody, you know, like from Capitol Records, we did uh Universal Music, you know, all, all of those guys. Disney, I think ultimately it came down to we didn't have the best deal, but it came down to I guess the people too that were a part of Disney. We also really liked. Like, for example, their A&R, Jeffrey Weiss, super, super cool, has like the one of the biggest record collections on the planet. And then everybody else that was involved and all the songwriters that we could work with in that realm, it just fit us. We, you know, we are boy bands. It just made sense. You know, it just made sense for, for all of us. And ultimately, we had one of the one of the biggest, most legendary showcases of of all time. Like we literally had every single person from Hollywood Records there everybody's so the, sick but nerve the, CEO, at the same time. like it's like unheard of we it was like 80 people there to watch us and we i don't we probably weren't that good <laughs> but they could <laughs> see the potential and yeah it was it was in surreal and it's all happened so fast i remember i was wearing like a t- like a, we we're all wearing like ties we kind of wanted to give into the Jonas brothers thing but like have more of the edge of some of the other disney acts that i've you know that they were developing as well, but also yeah. be a hybrid of who we were too. The showcasing thing is that's the hardest gig you'll ever play for sure for artists. If you ever get to that point where you're showcasing for somebody,
1: especially with 80 people and like the the, the 80 most important people too, not just mm-hmm. fans. It was the 80 most important people, right? So that'll change um, your life. Yeah, I remember thinking this back then and like going back and seeing your guys' videos now that like people were saying it back then are still saying it now. To me, you guys were like the original One Direction. You guys were one direction before the, them and it helped that you also had that Disney element too. So like, like you had mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, you had music in the last song prom every, almost every single family channel Disney channel commercial break. I was seeing your guys' music videos. Mm-hmm. So did you guys hear a lot of those comparisons back then?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I never really thought about it like that being like the first, like one direction. I could see that.
1: Like, there was a big gap between boy bands from, like, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Then there was nothing for, like, a while that was actually, like, doing big things. And then All-Star Weekend, One Direction, obviously the Jonas Brothers were before that. But, like, there was a span where there wasn't really boy bands the way there used to be.
0: I mean, there were, but yeah, you're right. There, I mean, there was, like, Honor Society and a couple bands like that that tried to break. I mean, I think they ended up doing some some pretty big things but no and then also just uh we were like the interracialness like you know cameron was a is asian a lot of people don't know that and then michael's filipino me being african-american i probably was like the first african-american to be in like a pop rock band like that aside from like some 41 when you right. have dave brown sound the lead the lead guitarist um and they're on their last tour this year, i know is, i know <clears throat> so yeah that also had definitely helped, I think, because we we're all, it was like mixed and it was just like, how often does that happen, you know, in, in the music industry in the way that we were doing it? I never looked at it like that. I never, I, I guess I never gave our, myself and our, our band credit for, yeah, being one of those first bands or one of the first to kind of get the revival of the boy band thing exactly. um, spinning again.
1: The only one that else was around at the time I can think off the top of my head was like The Wanted as well. Yes, there we go. The The
0: Wanted—that was one of them. Yeah, Yeah. they came a little bit later. Yeah, they did. They, they well, they broke a little bit later or whatever. Well, I remember playing some shows with them, one or two shows. Yeah, those guys are really cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing. But I think you just gotta have good representation around you to keep the ball rolling. And I think what ultimately led to the demise of all of us, our band, is what most most pop bands end up breaking after three or four years is we were all we all had such strong personalities we're all very independent really smart you know and i think that can only last <laughs> so long like one direction didn't last they lasted maybe like three or four years two
1: more uh maybe more i'm thinking like one that, six or seven maybe i think they went from like 2010 to like 2016 maybe okay let's, let's just say five years which really is like that. It, it isn't that long which is nuts
0: yeah, it's crazy. I mean, eventually, it just makes sense that people branch off and do their own thing and all that. But yeah, I mean, those—I guess they were looking at boy bands and like, okay, like they probably figured out the formula a little bit better and in, in terms of like keeping the band together and doing doing things differently. But yeah, so stuff like that. I don't know. I feel That's like
1: tough. I feel like we're at that point again where there's not many boy bands. Like we're back mm. to that, like, like huge ones. Like again, the Jones brothers came back, but like you would well, oh know- yeah,
0: BTS. That's true. That's, that's true.
1: You would know better By than us about um like the popularity of music. Cause obviously you're way in more into it, but like, I don't know. I feel like we're in that lull again of just like th- there, we had that little small group, but it's not the way it used to be
0: boy bands. Yeah. I guess what, what does the boy band look like in 2024 like, and what should it look like? I guess First that's one the I think question. of Jones
1: brothers, right?
0: Yeah, like how can you put together like another Jonas Brothers type band? And I I was managing this band for about like a year and a half. Uh they ended up breaking up, but I mean, I got them in the south by southwest and all that, but I that was actually my one of my goals was to actually break them as like another Disney band, but I think a lot of them weren't really it was so funny. They're all so different. Uh, you like look at these bands. You're like, oh my gosh, everybody is so different. Completely different tastes in music. Completely different uh, levels of success that they they see themselves doing. And it's so hard to make a band work. For even if people are super talented, even if you have all the right ingredients. But that's one of the one of the things that I wanted to, I wanted to actually make them another Disney band. Really bad, but I didn't think that really gelled with the uh, music direction and all that but yeah I was like music directing them for a while and and I wanted to write these songs I w- I would love to ultimately put together like another like Disney band that w- I would be, I would love that I would I my whole goal in life is to just make the record you know I want to get the band and make the record and, and make it that timeless thing like that's all I care about I I don't care if I'm homeless living in a car mm. in San Diego with no, no money if I can get my hands on a band to work on a project like that. And we just can sit and just shoot the shit and everybody's on the same page and we deal with whatever stresses and problems come up like, like men and just figure it out, girl or boy group, whatever that, that's all I care about. And if I die after making the record, I don't care because I did it like that. That's all I care about in life. That's all I care about. Like, I, I love Rick Rubin. I love Pharrell. Um, I, I just love like Timbaland. I, I I love those guys. Like, those guys are like my mentors to me. Like, Lenny Kravitz. You know, I look at people like that. I want to, that's kind of where I'm trying to position myself right now, right? Is to be, um, in that role i i'd love to develop a band oh my gosh you kidding me i can i i have the opportunity but yeah it's hard
1: i like how you mentioned about like the creation of trying to come up with like another disney band um because like you you, with you guys it was more like natural and more organic but then you look at um one direction they were they were literally put together Yes. It, it, it's weird how like bands will come together in different ways. Cause like that was, that was mm-hmm. kind of an unheard of the way that happened with one direction. You don't, I don't think we've seen it since. And I don't really remember seeing it before that.
0: Well, weren't they on like, X factor, X factor.
1: And then, yeah. and then obviously Simon Cowell just was Seven. like, no, I think you guys could go together. And clearly it worked, but they also work sure. separately. Look how they're doing separately. Like you look at Harry, you look at, um, Niall, um, Brad, Liam, I'm having a brain for the rest of the names, but like, they they worked together clearly they blew up and then you can see the ones that are doing better than others separately sure so the, the creation of boy bands is actually a pretty interesting topic it's, um oh there guys. is
0: actually a boy band um about last night
1: about last night. there's
0: this boy that that's like actually one of the only boy bands i know of right now and um uh there's this one kid I started talking to. He, let me let me figure let me find his name so I can put him put him on real quick. I feel like if I if heard name, him, I David might lee might know. What's his name, sir? So there's six, there's this band called About Last Night, their boy bands. Looks like they're picked up already, and someone's developing them right now. But this this kid named David Lee, he reached out to me and dm me, and he like sent me a picture of like him giving like doing an autograph at an Anaheim show and when he was like 10, he's like, you guys are like my heroes, like growing up. And now like, he's in a boy band doing the whole thing. And I actually just talked to him like this week. I think he just performed at the, the Nam show. Wow. But yeah, I think there are bands that are being developed, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, you're going to find the right, the right ingredients and the right uh, key players on your team to, to really make it work. And they're really talented, really talented singers.
1: If you had to do it again, would you go with Disney again?
0: If I had to do it again, would I go with Disney? Hmm. I had a lot of I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of cool people. Honestly, like I I, I would see Miley Cyrus in session sometimes, and you know we would kick it with the Jonas Brothers just like randomly at rehearsals, uh, rehearsal spaces, and then you know I don't know um, I don't know if that would be the reason why I would go back is for those moments, but I. Th- I think it made Disney made sense. I would. I would go yeah. back and do it all again. Yeah. So much fun, so many great opportunities and when you're young you don't really realize how good you have it and how hard it is to get that, you know. Right. So Um
1: so we talked so. about earlier obviously you decided to leave the band in 2011. So it it yeah. first came out that you weren't going to be going on tour with them with Selena Gomez and the Scene back when she was with the Scene. So right. At that point, when you decided you weren't going to be going on tour with them, had you already decided you were probably done with the band?
0: Yeah, well, the thing was, like, I, you know, they sent me home. Um, I literally got a plane ticket from New York, and I and I flew back home. And just to, you know, I was dealing with a lot of depression, mm-hmm. a lot of depression from, yeah, just the the snowballing effect of how fast we got big. And, and you know, yeah. I definitely gotten some arguments with the guys. We had disagreements about stuff as you know, and, 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 all that. And so I knew I had to go home and it was like, it, 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 it was good intentions, good intentions for me to do that. And I knew I, I had to go and just get, seek mental clarity, man. I got home. All my stress just went away. I felt so great being home and reconnecting with my family. I started getting close with my family. I started going and playing in my church, started doing Bible studies I learned about meditation, I learned about yoga, I learned about, you know, that I had bipolar disorder that wasn't diagnosed, I also had crazy food allergies I didn't know that were contributing to me in my depression, little things like that. And so I just like looked within and seeks clarity and I realized, oh my gosh, like, I think being around the Hollywood yuck is what's making me crazy. Mm-hmm. I can't go back. There's yeah. no way. Like they wanted me back. They were like trying to hustle me back to come for like months. But it was everybody but the person that I wanted to, to, to say that they wanted me back. Everybody but the one the one guy I wanted to say that I needed to hear it from. And I didn't get it from that person. So I – and I was also I was also hearing about horror stories of what was going on behind the scenes – with management and other, other teams that were huge, like pivotal, piv- pivotal, pivotal into like making the band success. Right. And just the clashing of, in the means of minds. And so I felt like when I left, I was kind of like the bottle on the bottle of, I was like the the cap on the Coke bottle. Mm-hmm. Once I left, everything just like exploded and everything kind of, I don't want to say all the evil came out or whatever, it was more so like, okay, people can really see who is who. Right. And like, what's really going on, who's being shady and whatever. Um, yeah, I can't, and I remember Cameron was like, dude, you're not going to trust me. You don't want to come back. You right. don't want to come back to, you don't want to come back to this. And you know, maybe one of, one of those guys could tell you and you can hear it from their side of the story, but there's a reason why I'm sharing the story. Cause I don't care. Like I know I wasn't like the problem, I wasn't the reason why things fell apart. Like I just want people to know that I wasn't that reason. I guess the, the the band didn't stay together because it just obviously won't be the same. But then you don't hear these other other guys aren't doing music. They're not talking about all this. I mean, there's a lot of other things that went on that I I, I had no my it's not my place to even say. Like right. I can't even tell people the exact truth of what exactly happened because it's not fair you know, for me to be the guy to say things. So I, they wanted me back, but I didn't want to go back.
1: Fair. And I mean, there wasn't a, there was like, it was like under two months from when they said you weren't, or maybe it was three months. Um, it was that, it was that summer from that summer.
0: So I left like, yeah, like June or July. It was
1: September that they said, or you, or you announced that you were done.
0: Yeah. September. And they made like an announcement and I was like, after three months, I was like a transformed human being. I was not the same. I, I was closer with my family. I was more respectful to people and myself. Like I said I got closer to God. I the biggest thing for me is like I fell out of love in, with uh, with music. I fell out of love. and I think ultimately I had to I wanted to protect myself. I didn't know how to express it too to other people, to fans, about what was really going on. I didn't think people would really understand or maybe I felt a little shameful because I left and was letting people down. But, you know, that's kind of how it went. Oh, and, like, you know, I, I'm still cool with the guys. We're definitely not tied. We don't really talk that much. They all just do their own things, you know. And I've jammed with Michael. We've, we've, you know, done some songwriting and all that. I've even tried to put the band band back together to play shows. But it's like oh, you pulling, have. it's like pulling, like, you know, teeth trying to figure it all out. And you could tell they don't really – I can't speak for them, but let's just say the magic and then the the urgency is not there. Like I was hoping
1: it would be. If it was, you guys would have done it already.
0: Exactly. And I probably tried two or three times and I maybe tried a little bit harder, but it's like, am I the only one trying to get us all together? Like no one's like trying to get the rehearsal to, to play the show. Like just me, no one cares. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe I'm wasting my time and maybe, you know, sometimes just give people their space, let people do what they want to do and respect that. And it's part of growing up and I totally respect that.
1: I feel like if there was an announcement of an all-star weekend reunion show, I feel like that would blow up in 2024, 2025, oh my God. 2026, whenever, whatever. I think it would be not yeah. really, you feel the same or you wouldn't be it's trying to get the guys together. So-
0: so the th- cool, the one of the greatest people I ever met in the music industry is this guy named James Bourne. And he was one of the main, one of the main reasons why we became so successful because he, he helped us write journey to end of my life and like here with you and a few other songs. And I'm actually going to do some songwriting with him, hopefully in February with Tom, which is so funny wow. full circle moment. Yeah. And I'll probably have him on my podcast as well. And so Anyway, he, he was the same situation as us as a band They They all broke up for kind of similar reasons and they all got back together like in their late twenties, thirties. And I was always like, why can't we do that? But I think there's legal issues, some legal things kind of float looming around with some of the band members as to why they like legally can't uh, some things I can't talk about. That's what I mean. Like you got to right. get Zach on, <laughs> you gotta, the teacher. got it. Someone's yeah, got the teacher. He's so random. I I I love Zach, but he's so hard to get a hold of. And everybody will say the same thing. You got to really hear. He probably will never share his story or whatever. But um, that was one of those relationships I valued so much. Like I, h- him and I, we had a very unique relationship, and it was just it became tainted because just like it was us, and then like then oh management, and then the big head, you know. <laughs> right, hundred <laughs> percent. So,
1: you you had said about when like how you much better you felt after those after that summer basically Mm. before that and no one would blame you guys if you did but did you just feel like you grew a big head and were just like it was like egos getting in the way
0: there was there was egos i I definitely had an ego a little bit
1: but how could you not though like with what you guys were doing at the time how could you not
0: but like not enough to not not in the way you would think where i'm being like just destructive and mean it's more so i guess i i always thought wanted to for me the big the hardest thing for me was well yeah i was like really into like uh like you know mgmt psychedelic rock experimental i wanted to be doing all that but we obviously weren't doing that um not i loved all the writing writing sessions that we had but i think the hardest thing for me that I never really told anybody, it was more of an insecurity I had. And I begin to form in writing sessions with all these people. Because when you get into these writing sessions, for the most part, they're dealing with the lead singer. It's like the lead singer show. And I get that. And he obviously can write. So it made sense. And I would get in there on a write too. But I kind of started feeling like I was getting edged out of the writing process a little. And the same thing I felt like was happening with other members too. But and so I felt like why am I here mm-hmm. still? Yeah. Um, I know I bring something great to the table. And I, of course I'd, I'd play on, I played on everything. Right. I even played bass on a lot of the tracks. Cameron didn't even play, but oh, like, really? so, and it was so like, but I wanted to like write more. And I just felt like people don't realize once you get on a label, they throw you into all these writing sessions and they, you need to pump out a song in like a couple of days. It's gotta be like done for the most part. And it's fast. And I didn't work fast. I worked slow and I still yeah. work slow. Yeah. And I think that was really hard for me to like an insecurity of mine. And so i I actually stopped going to a lot of like legendary writing sessions. I didn't really care. You know, I was like, and so I was like, why am I even here? And so, and I didn't have a good relationship with my family at the time. Um, and so, and then with the band, like we all kind of didn't we all started not we weren't really supportive of each other that much anymore. like, there was definitely we all had egos. All I think all I also had a little ego. I mean, you kind of have to to protect yourself to be to be able to do ex- amazing things. Every artist you see that's successful right now, by the way, that you listen to has an ego. You oh, have God, to yeah. have a level of it to be able to sustain yourself. But I didn't have an ego enough to. I wasn't a dick. Like I was right. never a dick. I think I was more sensitive and a little insecure and. Um kind of like wanted things to have always wanted things to happen like a certain way and it couldn't I didn't know how to voice I oh I didn't really know how to speak and say it was on my mind you know until it would just build up and it became like an argument. So yeah I, I would get into some arguments with the guys and I was known to, known to kind of rage with arguments sometimes and like black out because I'm just like I mean human. that's bound that's <laughs> bound
1: to happen with when you put a group of guy or just a group of people together For so long, because you guys were probably spending so much time together, especially when you're on tour, right? Like, yeah, stuff like that's bound to happen.
0: Yeah, and I, looking back, I give Zach so much credit for holding down the fort in so many ways that he did as a lead singer. You know, keeping us professional when we needed to. But ultimately, I think he needed also that support, and he wasn't really getting it from us. Like, honestly, like looking back, like I, I love that guy. Like such a great guy. Like such a smart talented kid we all made bad decisions let's just say that we all made bad choices like for right. real that definitely caused it caused rifts and we didn't you know as men we don't grow up t- learning to show empathy our dads didn't teach us shit about coping mechanisms right. about sharing be, your emotions and getting together our dads yeah. didn't teach us shit uh rub some dirt all, on it yes yeah rub some dirt on it and so with that being said like when you're making all this money and getting all the success and you, you got these guys that are all talented in a room, you're going to cause rifts. It's going to cause, you're not going to know how to cope. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it it, it went down ultimately. But yeah, I ended up being cool with everybody at the end of it all, you know, went to Cameron's wedding and got together with Zach and Michael and we, we talked and it's just better that way, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. Did you guys ever have times, because like obviously at the time you guys were a bit older than the Disney like kids, the ones that were like yeah. streaming all the content. So for you guys, did <laughs> sure. it ever get, like a little bit tiresome of like trying to be like um, like um ideal for the kids? You know what I mean? Like you had, a, like you talk about putting out like a persona, like you had yeah. to be energetic. Hey guy, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> in your 20s. So like, did that it's get hard. A tiresome?
0: Yeah. And I think it started showing on me in interviews a little bit that i i didn't really want to be a part of it as much i wasn't and especially since i didn't feel like i had my buddies you know anymore Mm -hmm. i didn't have i especially didn't feel like a brotherhood and so i'm like why and meet and greets i'm sure you could people could tell that i just didn't really want to be there and i was trying everything i could to to be the best version of myself and playing to that crowd ultimately was yeah it was tough but i think a lot of almost every band's like i want to break out of that and write my music yeah and i want to write my music and when i tried to i was just like already so torn and felt powerless at the time and trust me everybody tried to like make it work in their own way but yeah i guess i the role the the thing people would always be like would say to me was like oh nathan like you just never know what kind of person you're gonna get the next day like you just never know and that would really hurt me a lot and I'd realized it was an undiagnosed disorder that I had later found out bipolar, whatever. It's not that big of a deal now. There's plenty of functional bipolar two types out there. So, but yeah, that always hurt me, hurt my feelings so much when people right. would say that. I just like it couldn't help, but this is just who I am. Like, I'm trying my hardest to be, you know, what you want me to be. And that got in my head a lot. But we were a great band like there's no horror stories of us being sketchy with like f- like fans and shit like mm-hmm. did you hear? everybody now is like done such sketchy it's nuts shit. man it's, it's nuts. like well we weren't like that we were we'd flirt a lot but like we were never like just weird like that you know what i mean too like we were good these are these are good guys and we just didn't figure it out we i wish we could have had whatever no, I'm glad everything happened the way it did. You know, oh, 100%, I mean, then you wouldn't be where no. you are right
1: now. Um, Did you guys ever have like, or how many did you have of like early morning interviews or like Disney radio, whatever, just like yeah. hung over ever?
0: No, no, really? no. I was, I didn't really drink that much then. No? I honestly never really drank that much then. And I'm I, surprised
1: I, that like Hollywood didn't <laughs> kind of like take over for you guys in that way. Like it, it'd be so easy to like go to this party, go to that party, go drink with this person. You know what I mean?
0: No, I, I didn't I mean I would go and party with the, the celebs, you know, but I was like I was smoking weed, like I love smoking weed. Um right. and I grew and I I've grown weed and all that. And uh, I I was smoking weed, but no, I was like I didn't really drink and party like that. Like, no, we we were pretty like
1: tame pretty,
0: pretty boring. <laughs> we were pretty disciplined. Yeah, Us that's four, good though. We were actually like very disciplined, to be honest with you. Like Zach had vocal coaching. I was into stretching and meditation and all that, but mm-hmm. then, yeah, I mean, like I I probably did the most, like I, I was doing some drugs. I never did like cocaine or like heroin or anything like that, but yeah. I would do you know some mushrooms every once in a while and just weed And but I was never uh like really bringing that to, you know, interviews or anything like that. I was just naturally a crazy hyper kid right. that you put me on our camera and I just like show up and, I guess try to be this version that everybody wants me to be. I don't know. And you can, I mean that you can like that care. a lot
1: when you guys had your personal uh YouTube channel. I was going back through the videos yesterday of like when you guys would just videotape each other when you're on tour yeah. just, like, fucking around. It's like you could really the best and your personalities, right?
0: I, I loved watching Michael the most. Michael was probably one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my whole entire life. And one of the best drummers I think I've ever met in my whole entire life. Wow. Um, and he he's so funny. He's just like the comedian, this unnatural. And he, it's so funny. I always wanted to like be like really good friends with him because the way he kind of came in the band is he sent in a couple audition tapes of him playing to our outer space politician songs and i found him on myspace i'm like this is our drummer and and then he showed up and it was whatever but he never like really got tight with me or anybody he never really tried to get close to anybody which i never understood and i still don't to this day he's just always trying to be cool but he like i don't know if it was maybe it comes back to what i'm saying about us being how we were brought up as men just Mm -hmm. in general from the boomer generation but, like, I always try to be really good friends with him. And he always, like, found a way to push me away. Like, he never really wanted to be really clo- close with me. And I hated that. But I always, like, it would piss him off, you know? Yeah. And I was person. I always like to touch people because I'm a tourist. I need to, like, touch people. So, I, like, I was always, like, hugging Cameron and, like, Michael because I knew they hated it. And stuff. <laughs> Dude, actually, it's funny you
1: were talking about those videos and stuff because I yeah. watched one yesterday when you guys were talking about, I think you were just about to go on tour. And Cameron flipped yeah. you and you you were so oh. close to smacking your head off the ground it was nuts but it's funny how you talking about touching and stuff. Oh, yeah you guys were just like messing around grab each other headlocking. but yeah yes at the very end cameron flips you and i've never seen someone come so close to smacking their head off concrete than that
0: oh yeah that was at um i think that was outside the rehearsals at up in up in burbank yeah um
1: but like, dude, that video, that I mean. video specifically just kind of shows like how you guys were. And like, you were just literally kids messing around.
0: Right? Yeah. Uh, and I was definitely like, we honestly, at the end of the day, like, yes, I'm obviously saying other th- truths that aren't always positive, but we were at the end of the day, we were all like buddies. We all, we were all really still like good friends. Yeah. There was, you know, and Cameron and I were probably the closest and he was like really good listener you know, and he was like, ended up being like my closest. I gelled with him the most when we started becoming more successful. And, and I ended up being really close with his dad for a while. And, and his dad was like a good, he was kind of like a mentor for me after a little bit after and he was saying the same thing, like you don't want to go back right for XYZ reasons, where I'm sure someone else can tell those
1: that that just shows though that you that know, side
0: you know, of the story
1: that shows that like what you did made sense. Um, I have a couple more things. Nah. For you, I swear I'll let you go. I, I'll stop bugging you. One, this one's gonna be <laughs> tough. Good. This one's gonna be tough. I know it will be.
0: No, um, oh, uh,
1: what's your favorite um all star weekend song? Favorite oh. all star weekend music video. Okay, you know, I also sorry before you answer that, I did not know until recently that you were not around for the Blame It on September music video.
0: No, I was not. Were you on the song? Um, yes, I helped write that song,
1: right? But with this, probably that was probably during it was with Chris Daly,
0: yeah. I think it was with Chris Daly. I wasn't in the music video and I ended up not being uh, on the the cover or whatever. Um, which made I guess that makes sense actually, you know, okay, if he's not gonna be in the band, why why not? But I was still credited and all that. Honestly, I can tell you my least favorite song was Blame it on September, to be honest.
1: What? Right. No way. That's my no. fa- that was one of my favorites.
0: I, I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I sorry <laughs> the people probably that's the that's the unpopular opinion right there. Do you that's know, probably my least favorite song? I know you but weren't, my, I know
1: sorry. No, sorry. I know you weren't there for the music video, but and this might be such a dumb question. Was it where was that film? Was it filmed in Canada? I
0: think that was filmed in Canada, yeah.
1: I thought so, and it's going to sound silly, but just like the way like, I, like the houses were, I was like, because I'm, I'm from Canada, I'm like, oh, I feel like that's in Canada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I live like 45 minutes east of Toronto. So okay. I, I, saw that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that looks like it's in Canada, and then clearly it was.
0: Yeah, okay. So not that Lamos of September is a bad song. It just ended up being like my kind of like just least favorite. I don't know why. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and then my favorite hap- happens to be a song that, was a co-write with uh, JP Clark and Jace it's called I think Jace ended up writing it and we maybe just recorded it and changed a few things but it's called Bender break and that's mm-hmm. off of the um the, the the latest record that we did when we were band like the last big record
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah Bender break and then my favorite music video to shoot obviously oh. It's okay. Not your birthday was probably my favorite, but Dance Forever has will always have a place in my heart. Um, but yeah, I would say Not Your Birthday was probably the most fun to shoot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, it looked. Uh, I mean, they all they, they all school.
1: technically look like they are fun, but that one did look like it was it, it was fun.
0: It was. We were having oh the a blast. Our fans were there too. Our hardcore fans were there, and we yeah we shot it at a, a, a school and a high school in Hollywood, and it was it just. It was just perfect. Everything ended up being
1: part of one of my, like, I love that movie prom. And obviously that, that was, yeah, then, yeah, obviously that, that was in it, but no, that's, that's awesome. Um, last thing was, let's talk about your podcast or yours to promote anything you want, but specifically let's start with the podcast.
0: So starting with the podcast. Yes. I have this show called the I'm with love show. I'm with love is also this artist development and mentorship program that I run. And I do one-on-one mentorships, um, via zoom or in person with artists but also part of my masterclass program is you get to go on my podcast and for artists that are a little bit more st- established I'll invite you onto the show and we the show's a little bit different it's not just like any other show we don't just talk about you know joke we're not just like joking around the whole time and 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 talking about like your favorite color you know right, <laughs> we're right. We're going. We're diving in deep to like, like literally just you know marketing. How like how to market yourself? Like strategies. How to how do you work through imposter syndrome? How do you how do you get confidence? Like, we're there's actually tools on there that are actionable that you can learn in terms of like how to have a career in the music industry. Because I'm talking to people that have established themselves. In whatever discipline. And it's open to all artists, you know, DJs, all even um, you know, I'm gonna have some entrepreneurs on there eventually, and there's engineers on there, people that have had some sort of success. And we're just talking about, you know, how they become successful. How do they talk to booking agents? How do they book shows? How do they put a band together? How do they songwrite? All that stuff. And so, like it's there's a lot of insightful tools, tools on there. And you learn about their life and how they were brought up as well, and you know, fun facts and all that cool stuff. But another thing is, like you know, I showcase their music on there. But also at the end, um, we do songwriting sessions. We literally do just grassroots songwriting and write a song on the spot. So I'll either I'll I'll pitch a song, and maybe they think it sucks, or maybe they vibe with it. That's the whole thing about the show. Is like this is how it is. Like sometimes that's just you know, and then you try to find. It's cool to see two people figure out a way to have this cohesive uh creative collaboration together on the spot and i'm showing people how we work through it and if you listen to the artists and how they're working through their own mental blocks and you can see people like transformed at the end of the uh the podcast of of just them how, like how people work through writers blocks and whatever little blockages that they have creatively to to get to you know a, a nice um you know a nice song or whatever <laughs> yeah so that's that's sick so that's another thing i do so yeah we do the songwriting sessions and i'm having my next guest is going to be this band called rose colored world um it's this la band that just opened up for some 41 um it's this pop punk band from la they're going to be on there soon i'm going to have tom on there i'm going to have james bourne on there um some djs some artists from nashville it's chock full with a lot of good stuff But it's more so about the insight that you're getting as an artist. We're not just shooting the shit and talking about our favorite bands and sharing stories. It's that. Trust me. But I'm also giving them questions to help actually educate our listeners just in pretty much everything from like what creative apps they use to shoot content. How do they shoot content? uh, You know, all that cool stuff. So it's so worth checking out. And it's in the beginning stages, but it's going to blow up. Telling yeah. you right now. Why well, and I
1: actually was funny because I got an email about it the other day and I was like, "What is this?" Because I didn't know about it. But after you and I emailed back and forth, and then I realized that I'm with love, and I was like, "Oh, and yes. then I, yeah, I got the I got the the episode sent to me. I was like, "Oh, that's pretty sick." And obviously, yes. I yes. wanted to learn more about it. That's really cool.
0: And so my whole thing is about being empowered by love. So you think about like fueled by ramen. It's like exo stands for love right and and i'm with love and that's all about being i'm 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 with the artist like i've seen i've been in their shoes and now i'm on the other side and i know how you feel i know where, i know where you can go i know your potential and i help guide you in in, in as a mentor and become the greatest version of yourself i've literally transformed artists into Unimaginable being in unimaginable places they never dreamed of being, and that's the whole thing. I I, want to make it happen for you, you know. I want to make it happen for the artist. I want to ultimately give the power back to the artist. You know, you put more money if it's putting more money in your pockets, which is also important too, like to have a sustainable career, like learning how to make uh choices so you can position yourself to actually have a sustainable career you know so right. no, that, stuff like that, that. that's so dude. cool and
1: that's such a creative way to do it like you're talking about like you have the writing sessions literally on there like that's yeah. that's not a normal podcast no format you you would normally listen to or watch so that no, know that's really cool well nathan yeah. dude you're the goat thank you so Quinn. much for coming on here i this was incredible you fulfilled a dream of mine of, of being a fan of yours since i was i was in like Grade seven, grade eight. So, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. This, this was awesome. I appreciate you letting me bend your ear for the last hour and a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, uh, good listener, man. Uh, I think you have like all of the key ingredients that it takes to be a good podcaster. You ask the right questions at the right time, and that's hard to do to keep the ball rolling and get, get the most out of an artist. Like, in a way, you are like a producer, you know, I you is. are in that role. So, yeah, I really believe in what you're doing. I think more people should hear about this. And so let me, let me take a quick picture too. So I can throw it on social media.
1: Hey,
0: awesome. Um, I'll send yeah, that cash
1: after for all the compliments.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
1: appreciate No, no, but this was awesome. And yeah, like, um, I'll definitely be checking out the podcast. I'll make sure all the links are Wait. there for everyone. Check it out and everything just like that is going on with you. I'll make sure to please they'll, they'll all be there. So yeah, no, thank you again, Nathan. This was awesome.
0: Yes, likewise, man. I appreciate you.
1: And that was the Quid Bar show.